the Steelers Saturday on your 24-7 home for the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Now here's Tom Offerman, Jacob Recht, and Kellen Gursky. On this episode of Steelers Standard, we'll take a look around the NFL at some of the headlines this week. But before we do that, the biggest headline this week came this morning when the Houston Texans decided to give J.J. Watt the release that he asked for. J.J. Watt made the announcement himself on Twitter this morning saying, Houston, I wanted you to hear it from me first. J.J. Watt is now on the open market. You don't need to trade anything to get him. You just need to show him a contract that he agrees with and have him sign on the dotted line, and he is yours. And, of course, Steelers Nation is losing their minds about this because this is now a chance to bring all three Watts together under the same building in Pittsburgh. And I got to admit, it's really sexy when you say it out loud. All three Watts on the field at the same time. It, it it gets you going a little bit. It gets a little buzz going. And I don't blame the fan base for going crazy about this and thinking like, oh, this is something that has to be done. But it's a lot more complicated than just, oh, let's call JJ up and get this thing done by the weekend. They got to get under the cap first. JJ's not going to play for free. There's speculation he might play for cheap because he's going to get to play with his brother, something that he said he's always wanted to do. But he's not going to take the veteran minimum. I mean, he's J.J. Watt, for God's sakes. He's going to land more around like a $12 million a year kind of a salary. And the Steelers, even if they do cap magic, I just don't know if they can get that far underneath the cap to be able to afford a contract like that. And beyond that, I just don't know if there's a need for him positionally for the Steelers because where he plays, they're pretty well, they've, they're pretty good in their starters there. So if J.J. wants to be a backup to Tudor Hayward, that's not going to happen. No. So I I think it's far-fetched for him to come to Pittsburgh, but I understand the buzz, the hype around it, and why he's the betting favorite. Sure. I mean, it makes the most sense, right? It has the most storylines. He's got two brothers that play here. I mean, the media wants him in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, and why wouldn't they? It makes for a good story, and that's kind of what sports are sometimes, especially when there's no football right now. You look for the best story. There you go. Um, T.J. Watt joining his brothers in Pittsburgh, or J.J. Watt, excuse me, joining his brothers in Pittsburgh would be awesome. Um, just from a fan perspective and, and kind of for a story perspective, sure. Um, but as you said, there's a lot of different things that go into that. You know, the, the Steelers, like you said, got to get under the cap. Um, and and I'll be honest here, not to poo-poo on, on, you know, everybody being excited about the possibility of J.J. coming here. He's not the player he was five years ago. He, he's just flat out not. Um, and that's not to say that he's not still good. He's, he's above league average, obviously. But he's not... I don't think they need him and they're not going to pay him $12 million to be, uh, you know, a guy that, that comes in and spells guys or a guy that, you know, plays maybe 60% of the defensive snaps. It's he's not that top tier type guy that he used to be. That that's just a fact and nothing you can, you can say to me is going to change that. Yes. He, he's still a, a decent enough NFL player. He's an NFL starter for a lot of teams, but he had five sacks last year. You know, he only had like 55 tackles last year. He's not a a superstar anymore. He has the pedigree, obviously, and that's, you know, one of the reasons that there is as much buzz as there is for him. But I think the biggest part of all that too, Tom, like you said, what are you going to do if you bring J.J. here? Um, are you going to put him on an end and you're going to put, uh, you're going to make Cam go to the interior line or you're going to make, you know, there's a lot of movement that you have to make to an already good defensive line 
you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I know J.J. could possibly help that, but do you really need him at the end of the day? Is it worth that sort of cap hit? Is it worth all that? I don't think that it is for the player that he is now. Yeah, I think the best point you made there, Kellen, was you're disrupting something that's already proven. Yes. Right? I mean, the, the Steelers have had have had over the past three years a top-five defense, and it only got better when you brought in guys like Devin Bush, when you drafted Devin Bush, when you signed Mika Fitzpatrick. But those were because those were areas of need. Right now, the Steelers don't need to improve their defensive line. They're, yes, when Javon Hargrave left, people were concerned how Tyson Aluolo would fill that hole. But guess what? We've sat here multiple times throughout this whole season and said we're, we're happier with Tyson Aluolo at that spot because of his production and his ability to fill in that gap that Javon Hargrave had left. There is no Javon Hargrave and there is no Tyson Alualu hole that needs to be filled. How we talked about in previous episodes with the linebacking core, if the Steelers have to get rid of Vince Williams or in the secondary, if the Steelers have to get rid of Joe Hayden. Right now, all three guys who are on the team are on the team. And to bring in J.J. Watt would be, as you said, Kellen, a good story, but would it be the necessary move? Certainly not. You don't do it because it's necessary. If the Steelers do end up getting JJ, it won't be it won't be because they feel they need him for for a for a hole to fill or because they feel like there is room for improvement. This is a luxury you could afford if you were a team that was swimming in cap space, but a team that's going to struggle sure. to get under the cap even just to sign its own players that they need to re-sign. It's just a pipe dream, honestly. And to what Kellen's point about where are you going to put him on the defense? Is he better than Cam Hayward right now? No. Right now. No, well, no. not, no. Is not he better Cam. than Steph Tewitt right now? No. No. So one of those guys would move inside. Tyson Alvaro was the glue of that defense last year, and I know he's a free agent right now, but he's going to be a lot more affordable to bring back than having to go out and break the bank. Not break the bank, but as far as you're concerned with the cap <laughs> yeah. problems the Steelers are, it is kind of like that, and spend $12 any million move, on, any a, on a J.J. Watt. Yeah. Like, Tyson Alvaro could probably be run back at around the same cost of $3 million. JJ's going to cost about four times that almost. Which would you rather spend the money on Tyson to retain him or the money to go out and get JJ? Oh, the money on Tyson because it's yeah. I'm saving like almost yeah tw- ten million dollars if I just sign Tyson Alualu. And again, even though it's the name Tyson Alualu versus the name JJ, of course, Wally, but still, but the position they need to replace on the defense is outside linebacker. And if JJ Watt was a little bit younger and a little bit more spry, and I could Inside. trust him to be. No, I'm talking about replacing Bud. Oh, replacing Bud. Well, well, we'll see what Highsmith does. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think I'd roll the dice on a rookie like Highsmith than trying to have J.J. Watt be the stand-up edge rusher like Bud Dupree because J.J. Watt just ain't going to do that if anymore. If J.J. Watt were TJ's age or even That's what I was saying. If he was a little more spry, age, then I'd yeah. experiment a little bit. But J.J. Watt made his bones playing with his hand in the dirt at that defensive end position even when he was in his prime. So This is a guy who is on the bad end of surgeries versus three-time MVP, right? Defensive player of the year. So he did all that, and then he's had these season-ending surgeries. We talked about Marquise Pouncey's time missed over a three-year span. J.J. Watt missed, I think, two whole years over the course of three years, and those came well after the MVP seasons. So we're, we're not looking at the brighter end uh, of a career right now. You're looking at the the latter half 
for a guy who we know what he could do early on, but as Kellen said earlier, you're not you won't be paying him for the guy that he was eight years ago. That's exactly right. And he only had five sacks last year yeah. playing all 16 games for the Houston Texans. And I understand that he had a pretty abysmal team and he saw a lot of double teams. So that definitely brings his sack total down. But he's the type of player that will absolutely help a team out like the Buffalo Bills or like the Green Bay Packers that could use that defensive end threat that all he has to do is rush the quarterback. And that's really the only job that's expected of him. Whereas the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got so many needs that aren't just sacking the quarterback because they do that better than anybody in the NFL already. And they have done it better than anybody in the NFL for the past three seasons. They've led the league in sacks. So they're masters at getting to the quarterback, which is the only trick that J.J. Watt really has left in his toolbox. Right. And before, I think, um, you know, he had much more, as you said, tools in the toolbox. He had so many more things to do but now he's got one trick and that trick is to rush the quarterback and he's still good at it don't get me wrong and if this team had more cap space I would listen to it there's no question but they don't and he's not that player anymore um, and I think that's something that um, and I'm not you know saying this just for Steeler fans but I think fans in general get too caught up in in a hype of a player in that a headline yeah a headline that in a, of a guy that used to be um, a, a superstar and used to be um, a defensive player of the year candidate every year, used to be that guy. And he's flat out not that guy anymore. Um, and uh, again, you know, I, I'm not saying that JJ wouldn't help this team because I believe that he would. I believe that he could help. Um, but again, the Steelers don't have the cap space to do it. And one of the ways that they would have to, um, this would work if they could sign Watt is hey, maybe little brother takes a pay cut. And I think that might be something that has to happen in order to bring a guy like like J.J. Watt in, is that TJ, who deserves, as Tom, me and you were talking earlier today, he deserves a bag plus another bag for all the things that he's been able to do for the Steelers. You know, is he going to take a pay cut for big brother? I don't know. And I think, you know, I, I think he would if it if it were up to him. But I don't necessarily know if it's up to him and it, but I will say this, too, and I know I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. Um, I think one of the unsung things that, that people aren't talking about, a reason that J.J. Watt would be a good fit here, is I think that J.J. Watt is a terrific leader. I think he is a, a guy that um, doesn't take any BS. And I, I think that for everything that's happened this past year, I'm not putting any blame on anybody, but um, I think the Steelers desperately need a guy like that. They desperately need... Um, a guy that not that's going to tear into people or be that type of guy, but just a flat out leader. And, and Tom, you and I and, and Jacob, too, we talked about this today. Like, can he come in and, and be a leader right away? Um, it's pretty tough, as you it's said, Tom. To it's tough to not do. Any guy could. Right. And in a team that you have never played for, a team that you've only played against and you're, it's your first year there. It would be very tough to come into that and, and try to be the leader that he obviously was in Houston. But. As you as you put it, Tom, you said the last I checked, um, if this were JJ speaking, the Steelers play football here. We're not we're not doing anything else. We're playing football. We're and not I, recording TikToks. Right. We're not dancing on logos. I think that's something that they might need. So I, I see that aspect of it, and from that aspect, I would be all on board. But I just don't see how it works. I just don't see how they bring him in. I think the perspective too he would bring to the locker room would be look. I'm a great player. I've been on a very average to mm -hmm. below average franchise, an expansion franchise for 
basically for my entire yeah. career to this point. And now I'm on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a franchise with some prestige, a franchise that actually means something in the history of the NFL. And I don't want to blow this opportunity that I have here now. And I think that that's kind of the tone that he would be able to set if he were to step into the locker room. And again, Jacob, like you said, not many guys can come in and be a leader right away. But when you got three D poise and you're the, you have the the stature of JJ Watt in the NFL where, you know, other players respect this guy and know what the hell he did throughout his entire career and how dominant he was at his peak. So not to mention you've just lost a leader for the past eleven years in Marquis Pouncey. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I don't know if you want to replace leader with leader. I don't know how that works, if that works that way. But it, the it best leaders are usually yeah. homegrown, but this is one that would come in, and I think he could absolutely change the tide of that locker room a little bit, and he'd have guys follow him. Guys like mm-hmm. TJ would follow him and set the examples that, that he would set, but other than that, it really isn't a fit on no, the field. A not. lot of the fit is the off-the-field intangibles, and you don't want to spend like $12 million <laughs> just, just, on just for off-the-field yeah. intangibles. That's something that the Steelers just don't have the luxury to afford right now. And again, there's teams out there that I am a little jealous about because like teams like the Colts have all the cab space in the world. And why not throw a little bit yeah. at J.J. Watt and just say, hey, you used to abuse us for the past decade uh, twice a year in Houston. Why don't you come over here and put on this Indianapolis Colts uniform for a couple seasons and see how things go there? We got a pretty good team over here. You'd be able to help us on a playoff run. Uh, teams like the Bills and the Packers, too, definitely. I think there's more of a fit. And they have more cap space to work with than the Steelers. And I think uh, right now, I know this doesn't necessarily mean anything, but if you're going to place a bet on where J.J. Watt goes, the Steelers are the betting favorite right now. Um, I know that doesn't mean anything, but I'm just throwing that out there just for a little bit of reference. I don't have the odds in front of me, but I did see that earlier today. And I think the best fit for him, I think you named two of them, Tom, are the Packers and Indianapolis because... Well, those are the leaders right now. Yeah. In the rumor mills, yeah, those yeah. are the two teams. Because, I mean, with J.J., he's from Wisconsin, obviously. All the Watts are. Green that Bay would, would be a homecoming. It would be home for him. And then you look at a team like Indy or, you know, a place that has a bunch of cap space that can throw money at him that, and he would add to an already very good defense. And I think Indianapolis is a hot commodity for a lot of free agents this year because... Yeah, you just lost a, a Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Rivers, but if you get a guy that is competent, you're going to go places. You're going to be a good team. I think they've proven that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, I wouldn't put my money on the Steelers is, is my point. I don't think the betting favorite would work out in this instance just because of all the other things um, you know, that are involved, the cap space, and where does he play on the field. Um but with that being said, we've been wrong before. Right. I've been wrong before, um, and it wouldn't it wouldn't break my heart to see JJ Watt come here. That that's not the point. Right. Um, I think that he could do good things here, but I just don't I don't see how it's going to work. I don't see how you um, you know as we said can can spend ten million plus, which is what it's going to cost to bring JJ in. He, as you said, Tom, he's not going to play for the league minimum uh, or the veterans minimum. It's not going to happen. Um, you're going to have to pay him, and I don't know how you pay him for the production that he has. I, I made this argument earlier today. It's not like there there is a really large need for this guy. It's not like it's someone at the linebacker position who the Steelers say the cap wasn't as big of an issue as it is, and the Steelers could afford him and the Steelers could use him. And I'd be sitting here saying, damn, I really wish the Steelers would be able to go out and get him, and then something happens where the Ravens sign him or some other team in the AFC signs him, and I'm – 
kicking myself saying, oh, it sucks that we had this issue with the cap and it restricted us from getting this guy that we needed. I don't have that feeling at all about J.J. Watt. Sure, as you said, Kellen, it would be cool to have him dressed in the black and gold. There have already been photos out there photoshopped of TJ and JJ standing next to each other in the black and gold in jerseys. But as much fun as it is to look at those and say, how cool would that be? It's not going to kill me if, if JJ signs with the Colts or the Bills or the Packers. It really won't. Man, that franchise in Houston is really going through some stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet today across all their franchises. They've lost guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook and TJ or JJ Watt, soon to be Deshaun Watson. George I mean, Springer went George to the Blue Jays. George Springer left, who was the World Series MVP. I mean, yeah, they're, Houston in the last year or two has just had no lucker. It's a mass exodus from there, and it is a little bizarre. Uh, I do want to keep it into the NFL as we wrap things up on this episode. And we talked a little bit about this on an episode earlier this week, but getting more into depth with what's going on in Seattle, because it seems like every single day there's more and more headlines about the uh, disagreements between Russell Wilson and Seattle's front office. And like I said, we in an earlier episode kind of focused on it specifically in that situation in Seattle, but just – Zooming out and looking at the NFL, and, and you can apply Deshaun Watson to this as well, but the fact that these front offices are so against working with these star quarterbacks and these franchise quarterbacks is, is really shocking to me because I don't understand why when you hit on the most improbable thing to hit on in maybe not just football but in all of sports, why would you create friction with that person? I just think that it makes absolute sense that if you're going to bring any player into those meetings as a front office or into your personnel decision-making, it's the guy under center. It's your quarterback because he knows what every other player on that field is supposed to do as well as himself. Why in the world would you not just like at least hear him out, at least hear an opinion about like, Hey, do you think we're doing a good enough job uh, in the drafts, Russell? And he'll be like, oh, no, you know what? I could use a little more help on the offensive line. I love that you guys have gone out and got me weapons like DK, but really I just like to be upright, and I can make players that aren't as explosive as DK look even better. But there's just no open communication that way. It's I'm the GM. I make the decisions. You're the player. Just shut up and play. And I get it for every other position on the roster, but I think the quarterback is different. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in that aspect, um, that, that there should be some communication with, with a quarterback because, as you said, it's the most important position and he knows where everybody's supposed to be on the offense. That part of it I do get. Um, but I, I do think that um, one thing that I, I think I think a lot of people are, a lot of quarterbacks are, are trying to kind of be like that Tom Brady. You know, like Brady has had control over, the he had control over the Bucks and he, said, I want this guy and this guy, I want AB to come in and help us and that sort of thing. But it doesn't work in every situation. Everybody's not the greatest quarterback ever. Um, and I'm not saying that that's what that that's what Russell Wilson thinks that he is or anything like that, or, or that Deshaun Watson thinks that he is. But not every situation works out like that. And I think, um, you know, that it's, it's tough for quarterbacks because, like you said, they are the most important thing in the world when it comes to football. But everybody's not Tom Brady at the same time. Everybody's not the best ever. There's a different set of rules for a guy like Tom Brady 
Whereas, you know, for these guys, it's just it's just a different set of rules. It's a different way of thinking. Um, but I guess to, to wrap back around, I mean, if I'm Russell Wilson, I would like to have more say. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade without question. Maybe one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just tough because of the fact that um, that teams are going to do whatever they want to do and owners are going to do what they want to do regardless of what the players want to do. You know what I mean? It's not all about what they want to do. At the end of the day, it's what the owners want to do. It's what the franchise wants to do. It, it, the Seattle situation really is just so questionable to me because it is the one area where they lack in talent and where they lack in actually a formidable unit because, as we have talked about, we the, the, the Seahawks have the options – on offense, they have DK Metcalf and they have a decent running back in Chris Carson and they have other receivers. They have a decent tight end set and they brought in Jamal Adams, who necessarily isn't the best corner, but he applies pressure. It's a very defensive friendly guy. And it just seems that the one place where they needed help and it's evident through numbers is the offensive line. And as you said, Tom, why not get Russell involved, even though we've made the argument that just because you're a quarterback doesn't necessarily mean you deserve to be in all those meetings, but it's the one place where you know you struggle is to protect Russell Wilson. And he didn't go on the Dan Patrick show for no reason to just say, oh, yeah, I'm getting hit, but not really. I mean, the guy has taken more sacks than anyone over the course of the last four seasons. So why not get Russell involved and say, yes, we know this is where we need to ad- this. We know this is an area we need to address. Let's have a legitimate conversation. I don't know why. They would refuse to do that. Why? Why? If it's a an agreeable issue, why would they not work in tandem, work in unison? Uh, and we've we've kind of ro- laid out the timeline about Russell's interactions with the front office to the point where it came to the front office saying, "Hey, we're not so happy with Russell Wilson." I don't know where that came from because Russell Wilson to me has been the franchise for the past decade. As as Kellen has said, he 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 is a a decade long talent for this team, and I don't know. I've never seen an attitude issue with him. Something like a drama queen, like you see out of a lot of athletes when they when they start to succeed and maybe build up an ego. I never saw that of Russell Wilson. One lasting memory for me of Russell Wilson's character was in that 2014 AFC champ- NFC Championship game rather against the Packers and that comeback effort. After the game was over, Russell Wilson was crying on the sidelines saying, I owe nothing to myself. I had a horrible game. This is all about the team. This is all about their effort. He efforts. threw like five interceptions in that game or something crazy I think he like threw that. Four, yeah, something crazy like that. It was that. a bad game, and he gave all the credit to his to his teammates, even though he had the game winning touchdown pass. I just thought that was a huge testament to his character. So I don't know where this sentiment from the front office is coming from when they say, "Yeah, we're not so high on Russell Wilson and what he's been trying to call us out on." That 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 makes no sense to me. He won you your only Super Bowl, right? He won you your only Super Bowl. Got you to two out of your got only you to three. two out of your three. Exactly. He's your guy. He's the Seattle Seahawks. When you think Seattle Seahawks, you now forever think Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. That's yeah, there's the no doubt. guy that you identify. Is, is he with. the most? Is he the? I don't know. Is he the most identifiable Seahawk ever? Yeah, I think yeah, he's I think the guy. So too. I think he's like the mean Joe Green for the Seattle I Seahawks think so too. now, and that's just. Also a testament to how they don't really have much of a history there, but still, he's well, been they've been around for fifty years. But it's not like a legitimate history, it's not like a, a legendary history. history. Yeah. yeah, more recent success than any for that franchise, and it's a lot to do with Russell Wilson. And yeah, I, I just it just really does bother me that 
for whatever reason, they don't want to have a dialogue with a guy like Russell Wilson. And furthermore, I wonder if trading for Jamal Adams might have rubbed him a little bit the wrong way. Jamal Adams is a great player. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. But maybe he sees, okay, we just sent our first round pick for this year. We don't pick now until the 56th pick uh, late in the second round because we made the playoffs. And he's like, I really need help on the offensive line. And I love him. He's an all pro safety. But did we really need him? Did we really need that? I know you've been trying to replace Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas ever since they left. And but, Richard Sherman. Yeah, but I'm do you really position, but... need that when we've kind of transitioned now to more of an offensive team? You've got me all these weapons on the offense. Now just give me some time in the pocket so I can get the ball to these playmakers and we can have a really effective, efficient offense. And instead he sees the mortgage some future for a defensive player. Well, and I, th- I don't think there's any question that there was a little bit of that future mortgage. And I can see where... Where Russell Wilson is coming like, were from. Were they a defensive star away? I, I don't no. know. But were they an offensive line away? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um. I mean, and and I don't. I don't know. I mean, the, you could you could say that uh, that they definitely they being the Seahawks were aggressive to get a guy like like Jamal Adams. That they said, hey, if we can get this guy, maybe we are a, you know a Super Bowl contender. Um. And you could say that they're aggressive in that way, and at least they're going out and trying to make moves to help. You know, it's not a situation like Houston where they're trading everybody away. Right. Um, they're not getting rid of everybody. Right. It, but I mean, I like I said, I do understand where Wilson's coming from, and you know, I, I said you know not everybody's Tom Brady, and not everybody works under under that same sort of rules, that same set of rules. Um, but in a guy like Wilson, I think it is warranted because of the fact that, hey, the only success that this team has really had, I mean, I know they played the Steelers in the Super Bowl a handful, you know, in what, 05, I guess it was. Um, but other than that, they really haven't had much success, and it's all really been predicated on Russell Wilson. So in that situation, I can understand it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you almost wonder, like, you know, what can we do to make our offense better? What can we do to keep me upright? Um, because I'm sure, you know, Wilson's looking around the league too and seeing, hey, there are a bunch of guys that are hanging it up, the guys that my peers. Um, how much longer do I have, especially if I'm getting hit all the time? Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks to Kellen Gursky and to Jacob Recht for talking with me, Tom Opperman, uh, for this episode. We will be back for another episode at a later date. You can always hear us on Steelers Nation Radio. And if you miss us there, You can always be sure to catch the podcast available to you at Steelers.com. Thank you as always for listening. This has been the Steelers Standard.